Nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring today. Robert Half is here to help. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Coming up on Money Beat, has the stock market gone from enthusiasm to euphoria? And should you be concerned about whether or not it has gone from enthusiasm to euphoria? Our columnist James McIntosh is here in the studio. We'll talk about it coming up next. This is Money Beat from the Wall Street Journal. Now from our studios in New York, here are Paul Vigna and Stephen Grosser. Welcome to Money Beat, Paul Vigna, Stephen Grosser here in the studio on a uh, a Friday, a jobs Friday, no less. Uh, I had the whole week, I would have had the whole week off, except for the fact that I had to come in for the jobs report. Couldn't miss the jobs report, huh, Grosser? Well, also if you planned your vacation days, so you know ahead of time. How much time do you need? I, I gave well, you. We had other people off today. I I gave you time last week. Well, that's time. Uh, so anyhow, happy to be back here for uh, what is a, a a big day. So big jobs number today. Yes, right? that was right. Pretty big, kind of big. When but of course, it down, of course, you know, of course, it's always going to be your big uh, your big issue with the jobs report when you when everyone else sees silver lining uh, and things, and Paul sees the dark lining and things and. Uh, listen, wages man, I, were I once see, again. Things, wages were once again not as strong as the. You know, I see things the way they are. The, the Fed wants to see, let's just uh, see let's them. Just put it that way. Uh, so we have the jobs report. We have the stock market. We're going to talk about how both those things are, are are working today and where maybe they're going and what you should be looking out for. And to help us do that, Corey Drebush is with us. Corey, how you doing? Great. And we're very lucky. A voice that you hear on the podcast and a voice that you're going to hear on the podcast right now. But for us, it's a thrill because we actually get him here in the studio and not overseas. James McIntosh. James, how you doing? Yeah, delighted to be here. A bit Good. damper in New York than I'd have liked. Yeah, huh? How do you like? you like snow? Yeah, not so great. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, we have British weather at home. It's much better than this. Is it? Uh, well, we, you know, actually, we've had a so far, we've had a great winter. This is one of the few snows we've actually had this year. So we're, we're ahead of the game. And, you know... Uh, so we're, we're, let's go to James and his column first, right? What do you think? Right. I mean, yeah. I think, I think that you know, you lead off your column with a great quote from Sir John Templeton, just of you know, bull markets die of euphoria, and that's one of I think the questions you know a lot of us have been you know asking is whether you've seen a lot of strategists, a lot of people are sort of doubting this rally, they've doubted this bull market all the way up for years. Uh, are we starting to see the sort of euro- euphoria in the market that sort of indicates maybe the last uh, throes of this bull market? Well, plausibly. Um, uh, I mean, it's, this, these are markets. It's hard yeah. to be sure, right? But exactly. it looks like we're starting to see uh, big retail inflows. We're starting to see people buy kind of because the market's going up. And that's always worrisome. And um, uh, the you know the market's getting further and further away from fundamentals. There's a lot of hope uh, priced in, and usually when there's a lot of hope priced in, it typically doesn't get fulfilled, and that's when things go wrong. Um, you know, maybe different this time. Maybe things will get fulfilled. You know, maybe we'll get uh, gigantic leaps in economic growth and in. Uh, and in uh, you know full further falls in the unemployment rate and big jumps in earnings, um, but if that stuff doesn't happen, then yeah, we have uh, we have a lot of hope in the market. 
and uh, that's that's a risk. So the danger then is if you put it in this cyclical. You think of the market as a cycle. Um, I mean, the the Templeton quote is great, but you know it starts with skepticism, goes through optimism, into euphoria uh, before it it ends in pessimism. Or I mean, Templeton has it as starting in pessimism, but it, however you put it, the the start is the end, right? And uh, the the it's hard to believe that we are any less than optimistic at the moment. And I think that's a very good. That, that then means the next phase is euphoria. So the debate is, are we already in it? I mean, we had a, you know, you look at U.S. small caps last year, you had the most incredible run-up, uh, the sort of thing that feels pretty euphoric. Um, and we're eight years into the bull already. So, you know, maybe we still all have this all to come. Um, if we do have all this to come, you know, you could get another run-up of another 30 40% uh, before the end. But if you're kind of deep value guy who cares about fundamentals and not just about the uh, ephemeral nature of uh, trading against other people, um, then you're probably at this point thinking, yeah, let's hold, a, hold rather more cash than I normally would. You d- I was just going to say, you do see a lot of strategists, too, um, pointing to this sort of, like, you know, all the overbought conditions, but also saying, on the other hand, like, well, you can't fight this market, it just seems to sort of want to go higher. Yeah, you got to. I would distinguish between the sort of overbought, the short-term technical stuff, and the slightly longer-term cyclical yeah. stuff. So, the the overbought, the kind of uh, relative strength indicators and momentum type indicators, these things have 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 their place, and you know sometimes they work and sometimes they don't. But even when they work, they only give you kind of at most a, a month or two's okay. kind of trade, and often only only a you know a week or two kind of trade. So that's slightly different to what Templeton was talking about, right. which is the you know, the the next crash, basically. You know, you, you said it, you both said it, like people have been basically bad-mouthing this market for years, but they've still been buying this market for years. And it, it gets down to something that, that has been sort of the the rejoinder to every bear, which is, well, what else are you going to b- put your money into? And uh, that that's still kind of a question. And, and you know, you, you can put it in cash and just hope to sit on it. You can put it in bonds and hope that things blow up and people go back to the safety of bonds, you know. But, uh, you know, 10-year yield back at 2.6, which is this kind of for, – for Bill Gross, that was the line on the sand. For Jeff Gunlock, he was looking for 3%. But the point is that, that bond yields are starting to get to these sort of important inflection points. I, I mean, the question is – Investors have been kind of dragged, kicking and screaming into this market for a long time, but they've been buying. What are their options? Yeah, that that's definitely, when we talk to folks, the main theme of where else to go. And there has been, okay, talk about going into European stocks or emerging markets, but we've also seen those bets over the years get hit. Uh, one thing, it, James, that... Um, struck me about the optimism versus euphoria is a lot of folks are pointing to the sentiment surveys and how we've seen really high levels of great consumer sentiment. But when I talk to more bullish investors, they spin those sentiment surveys as a reason to buy stocks because it means consumers are feeling good enough to spend more, which could boost corporate profits. I'm curious what your take is on that can it be viewed both ways or i it, it's if you just look at the if you look at how consumer sentiment responds it tends to be a 
basically a live indicator of where the S&P is. So, you know, mm-hmm. the, the market goes up, consumer sentiment goes up, which is leading the way, which is the cause, so which is the effect. <laughs> but it's not obvious. Uh, you know, the, we know that there is a, um, an effect of people being positive on spending. These things do have some links, but no one quite knows which way around it is. Uh, no one quite knows how effective it is. Um, and from the point of view of uh, an investor thinking about should you hold stocks for the next five years or, or making decisions like that, mm-hmm. it's not going to make any difference to that because this is it, – it doesn't – the U.S. economy doesn't have massive spare capacity that needs a kickstart from a, a bunch of new animal spirits and that can then become self-sustaining because of it. If you get now a massive consumer boom at a time when the U.S. economy is running – if not at full capacity, at least, yeah. you know, unemployment's pretty darn low. So if you're going to get now a big boost in demand in the economy, the likelihood is that a chunk of that will appear in inflation, which is not going to be great, right? This isn't really yeah. what you want. So it's not obvious that now is the moment that you actually want a sudden great big boom in the economy. Yeah. Um, and you know the the reason markets go into euphoria is that you get a short run boom and people price it as though it's going to be a long run boom that's the sort mm. of the rational explanation as it were i mean you know uh, i say rational there's an element of rationality in that right so you get you get a a great moment going on and people say well this is going to last forever of course i should buy at this point um but you know typically things don't last forever <laughs> Let's uh, take a break there. We'll come back with more. James McIntosh, Corey Drebush, Paul and Stephen. Should you be scared? Should you be greedy? Stock market? Talk about it all next. There's a new class of blockbuster drugs. Drugs like Ozempic. They're changing bodies. And all of a sudden, just the weight starts falling off. Fortunes. It just got too expensive. They're just bank breakers. And industries. There was a lot of excitement. There was a lot of skepticism. The impact of these drugs from business to health is just beginning. From the journal, Trillion Dollar Shot. Find it in the journal feed wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Veronica Dagger, and I want to retire rich. How about you? Then listen to the Watching Your Wealth podcast. We'll help you get there. For more information, check us out at wsj.com slash podcast and find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and now Spotify. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Money Beat, coming to you from the Wall Street Journal's offices in New York City. James McIntosh, Corey Drebush, Paul, and Stephen here in the studio. And if you like what you are hearing and you're not already a subscriber, you can uh, check us out. You can check out all our podcasts at wsj.com slash podcasts. You could follow us on Twitter. We are on Twitter. Everyone's on Twitter these days, right? At WSJ Podcasts. You can become a subscriber on iHeartRadio iTunes, Stitcher, your Amazon Echo device, uh, Spotify, your Google Play Music app. And we were talking about the stock market. And you, know, you can always talk about the stock market, even though personally, Grocer, you know I love the podcast, but uh, this is taking me away from my big Bitcoin story, which I am I'm dying. If the, if the email comes in, the confirmation on this Bitcoin story that I'm waiting for, and I'm up here in the studio and I miss it, uh, I'm going to be pretty upset. Okay. My boss should care about that. Yeah, I'm not too. I'm not too concerned about. You've never respected my Bitcoin work. You just you don't give it. You don't respect it. 
Do, do our listeners really want to hear us and bicker? <laughs> you don't respect me, by extension. Uh, yeah. I, I spent, um, I, how many years did I spend uh, editing BitBeat and Bitcoin? And, Too many. I, I think Too I, many. I've earned, I, you know I respect it. I think uh. you guys should start reporting the value of the DAO in Bitcoin. That yeah, would be, yeah. that would be oh, you know, really be worthwhile fun. service yeah, for people. Yeah, sure. That would fix yeah, the yeah. problem of low volatility. Let's right. not give anyone <laughs> ideas. Yeah, wait, let's see, when will Bitcoin be added to the DAO? <laughs> That's a great question. Well, it couldn't get worse as an index. Yeah. Uh, we were talking about the stock market before and this question of, of where the market is really in, in its cycle in the longer run and, and, and should you be greedy, should you be fearful. And, and again, the question to me, when you're talking about U.S. stocks especially, is you looked at what was going on in the market before the election and really the stock market was not moving a lot. The election comes, Donald Trump wins, stock market rallies. We all know we all know what has happened, but I think, and you know, look, we're, we're not we're not trying to be political here, people. We're really trying to actually just talk about where the economy is going and what that means for the market. The the questions I think about how much further this rally can go really then become very dependent upon what is the federal government going to do and what is the new administration going to do in relation to what it said it was going to do. And I think a lot of people bought in that a lot was going to get done. And now the question is, in March, uh, what can we expect for the balance of this year? Actually, I think it goes further than that. So you've got what happens this year where people are slowly pulling back and saying, well, we don't expect so much to get through. Look how difficult it is on, I mean, the healthcare bill doesn't matter too much to investors, but it matters a lot because nothing else is going to happen until this is done. Right. And it looks like it's going to take a lot longer than people first thought. I mean, to to quote Trump on that, right? You know, who knew, yeah. who knew healthcare could be so complicated, right? <laughs> but, you know, that's going to get in the way of, of the other things that investors mm-hmm. really do want, though, particularly the corporate tax cuts and, and infrastructure right. spending. And, you know, people are slowly kind of retreating from the expectation that that'll all get priced in this year. So that gets pushed out. It doesn't matter too much. Now, it's not great if that happens, right? But it doesn't matter too much if it happens next year instead of this year, because you still get all the future years. You only lose one year's worth of, of those benefits. The worry is that people start to say, well, not only is it not going to happen until next year, but maybe it's going to be smaller, which is a much bigger mm-hmm. deal, because if the, I mean, Trump, I should say, really, has alienated the Democrats so much that the Democrats won't even vote for things they like, like an infrastructure boost, then it becomes very much harder Mm -hmm. to get anything through, and you end up getting everything through as a budget item uh, to to avoid the the, uh, filibuster, and in which case it's all much smaller. It's just much harder to do any sort of big stimulus, and then I think investors will be somewhat disappointed. And and then also, you know, the later it gets pushed out, you're also talking about with both health care, the tax cuts, all this stuff, it starts coming into an election year. Um, because, right, the know, congressional midterms and, and, and that does 18. complicate getting things done and oftentimes finding common ground and compromise. Um, you know, in, in, the, in Washington that already has significant issues with finding common ground and right. compromising. And I think, um, actually, one thing, Paul, you said earlier about trying to take politics out of everything, and I think that also is muddying 
kind of the discussion around the stock market and valuations um, that it's really hard to take politics out. And a lot of times you talk to investors and there is this emotional feeling of whether they agree with the current administration or don't. And that impacts their stock buying or selling also that I've seen that if you if you do believe in the administration, it makes you more maybe have more of those rose-tinted glasses right. when I've talked to folks to buy. And if you really viscerally disagree with the administration, maybe you're ignoring some of the earnings growth and economic growth to sell, just expecting disaster. Yeah, well, and I think, I mean, look, when I look at the numbers, you know, let, let, let's talk about the jobs report this morning. You know, I mean, not a bad headline number at all, 235,000 jobs, unemployment rate of 4.7%. I mean, those are good numbers. But when you start breaking it down, it's not hard to find the very real caveats in there. And again, it gets to this question of just how fast is the economy growing and and how much more can you expect from that point, right? I mean, GDP has been roughly on a 2% trajectory. Are there any real signs that we're going to get much faster growth than that. Personally, I don't think there really are. But and, and we can discuss that if you want. But I think that becomes the question, too. It's not just what can Trump get done? What can the Democrats block? But what happens to growth in, in the economy? I mean, of course, that's the main major question, right? Well, it's worth, I mean, worth picking up at that point that one of the things that has been helping the market that we shouldn't ignore here is and that started before Trump was elected and had been supporting the market before that is that the global economy is picking up a lot. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, we've, you know, it's really surprised economists just how much it has picked up, Uh, not just the economy itself, but also inflationary pressures in Europe, in Japan, uh, in China even. Right. So this stuff is it is starting to improve and. That should help all asset prices, right? This is, this is good news. Um, and it's not political because this is happening at the time when the politics, if anything, in Europe is, is looking much messier than it was. So, you know, it's a, it's a good thing that this is coming through and we should remember that. That doesn't necessarily mean the U.S. growth is going to be much above two. I give you that. Right. And the, you know, the GDP now forecasts for the first quarter have come down a lot. It's not looking great. Um, you know the the broad belief is that even if even if um, uh, sort of Trump policies were enacted, you only get a short run boost yeah. because it's not obvious you get a massive productivity gain. Uh, maybe some of the regulatory stuff could get some productivity gains in there. Um, you know, tend, you know the Republicans tend to believe you get a lot of productivity gains. The Democrats tend to believe yeah. you won't get much. You know, economists, uh, you know, kind of don't really have that much to go on because we don't know what's going to get done. So, and that's you know, and and that's that's the big thing too. I mean, like, it's not just whether he gets the things done; it's what form they take, and you know, with tax cuts. For example, where the money comes from, if there's like, you know, re- from repatriation to, you know, just tax cuts, do, they, do those go to buybacks or do those go to investing in, you know, hiring or, you know, business uh, into the business? Or that border tax adjustment. That, that is right, a big question right. mark. That yeah. like when you talk to analysts who are trying to model out corporate earnings projections, just all these variables they say they have all these. When I talk to them, they say, well, things could go all these different ways. So it's hard to pick which companies are going to be in the best position when you have no idea of some of the outcomes, what's right. even on the table. Well, one, of the thing, one of the things I wanted to sort of get back to is, is a more, and this is in your column, James, is, is valuations. Valuations, you know, are, are stretched. I mean, they're, high, you know, they're back to 
um, levels not seen in the last, you know, over a decade. Um, where, I mean, are the, are the, are the, how concerned, I guess, should be investors be about where, you know, stock valuations are right now? Well, this, I mean, this comes back to the question of the cycle. I mean, stock valuations are completely useless for predicting what will happen to the market in the next right. year. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not even very good at predicting what will happen in the next three years, although they're a little better. They really come into their own when you think about the long run. So if yeah. you're an investor saying, okay, do I want to be holding stocks now for the next seven to ten years, you should be thinking about valuations. And they're saying, well, your returns aren't going to be very good, right? Now, you might still say you want to hold them because they'll still probably be better than bonds. But you're going to have a lot more volatility to live through if you do that because, you know, you can absolutely guarantee that stocks will be down by at some point over the next 10 years by 20 plus percent, uh, probably several times over the next over the next 10 years because stocks are just volatile. So that's that's where valuations come into their own. Um, in terms of forecasting what's going to happen in the next year, frankly, you know, that comes down to questions around sentiment, momentum. Um, if there's a, you know, a, a sort of, you know, an irrational boom, um, a rush into fashionable stocks, uh, you know, snap is uh, not exactly <laughs> the, uh, the, you know, the, the, the company that maybe would lead this. But these types of things, if you get this happening, then frankly, valuations are, are completely ignored. One of the, well, the other question too is from a va- say a value investor sort of point of view, r- raising rate environment. We got a jobs report out today that basically confirmed that the Fed should, as as the market overwhelmingly expects, should raise rates in uh, at its March meeting next week. A, re- a rising rate environment tends to be good for a value investor. Um, is that going to be the case? The, you know, this time. Well, it has been so far. Yeah. So I mean the. Since the summer, since bond yield bottomed out in the summer, and in fact even before that, uh, what had happened last year was that the stocks that got really cheap on the sort of price-to-book type measures that value investors tend to focus on were in February was energy stocks, so value would have been very heavily overweight, oil companies and so on, which of course had the most wonderful run since then. They've, they've you know, in many cases, tripled or quadrupled yeah. for some of the, the more sort of deeply out-of-the-money companies, as it were. Um, and uh, then into financials, which were also very cheap. And financials, banks particularly, tend to do well when long-dated uh, bonds are doing better, when the, when the yield curve's steepening. And at least from the summer until December, the yield curve steepened a right. lot. That was very good. The long-end bonds, long-dated bonds, rose more than short-dated bonds. The, you know, to put that into sort of economic context, if the Fed is raising rates faster than people think there's going to be economic growth, then short-dated bonds will rise, short-dated bond yields will rise faster than long-dated bond yields, and that's generally bad for banks, relatively, and relatively bad for, or can be relatively bad for uh, value investing as well. So, you know, what they, what, what value investors really want is a growth in the economy, which tends to be signaled by longer-dated bond yields, and that would be, you know, a great thing if they can get that because it lifts all boats. Should we wrap? Sure. I mean, I, I understand you have to get somewhere. <laughs> I, I'm waiting on a big story, man. Doesn't that matter? The Winklevi. 
the Winklevi, the, the Bitcoin ETF. Will it happen? Will it not happen? This is the big day we find out. We've been waiting for a long time, writing about it. Could be a big day for Bitcoin. How long is this? If gone? it happens, it's how been long? Been happens. For years. Yeah, right? like this is the thing. Is like so. <laughs> they this, filed three, almost four years ago, yeah, summer of twenty thirteen. I, I would, I, I will give you everyone a sort of peek in. So when they filed in Bitcoin, I don't think anyone, including Paul, who has since written. Or is in the process of writing a second book on uh, Bitcoin. Yes. Knew really what Bitcoin was, um, and we were forced to write a story yeah. trying to stumble blindly. David Benoit had to take the lead on that, <laughs> stumble bi- blindly into this because all of a sudden the Winklevoss twins were wanted to have a you know fund with you know the tracked right. Bitcoin, and and we really hadn't covered it. No, we ha- I think at that point I, the Wall- been, I mean at the Wall Street Journal. At that point I had written just a couple of articles about no, it. I don't think I, don't I know, know I had. I know I had. Um but I mean it was like but no one really Not on the Winklevoss it. twins and not on any of that stuff. And yeah, we we're all still trying to wrap our arms around what it even was. I mean I that was just after a point where I remember us having conversations about whether or not to even write about Bitcoin. What was it? Is it worth writing about? Is it some kind of scam? This is a ridiculous thing. We're not and then we wrote a couple of articles, and then yeah, I mean the Winklevoss twins had their filing, and we had to take it seriously and write about it. And it, yeah, so it's been a huge change. So this then. is so this is why Paul's all excited. It's sort of like the whole story how he got to start with covering writing about Bitcoin just coming full circle. It is with this. It is, and and you basically want to rush out and buy this ETF. That? <laughs> That's what we're getting the vibe to. No, no. Uh, to be in all honesty, I said I, I have no money tied up in Bitcoin. I have not invested. <laughs> I mean, that was that was a decision made. That, Paul, that, Paul likes his mattress better. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that was a decision we made just from sort of from an ethics standpoint, right? Uh, I mean, okay. So we if be, you weren't buying by ethics, would you be wanting to buy it? I still this? wouldn't buy it. You still wouldn't buy I it? Still okay, wouldn't why buy not? Because I'm far too conservative an investor, and I just think it's a risk. I, I think it's a fascinating topic to write about. I think it's a dangerous thing to invest in. It just is. I mean, it, there's no two ways about it. So uh, personally, I, I wouldn't invest in it anyhow. But I'm not a speculator. I'm not a gambler. I'm a working man. I can't play with my money, you know, like I have to save it. So I wouldn't. But that's just me. But I think it's a fascinating thing to write about. I think it's absolutely great to write about. Really interesting stories. So sort of sound like, you know, I want to get back to one. the Jersey version of Jenny from the block. <laughs> is that good or bad? Jenny, from, isn't that Jennifer Lopez? Yes, yeah, thing? She was on the Daily Show the other night. Oh, was she? Yeah, yeah. But anyways, we should let our Was that our a compliment? Go. Okay. All right. We'll let everyone go. No, it wasn't. Uh, James, thank you very much. Good to see you again. Thank you. And uh, everyone, thank you for listening, and we will catch up with you very soon. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously. There's a new class of blockbuster drugs. Drugs like Ozempic. They're changing bodies. And all of a sudden, just the weight starts falling off. Fortunes. It just got too expensive. They're just bank breakers and industries there was a lot of excitement there was a lot of skepticism the impact of these drugs from business to health is just beginning coming soon from the journal trillion dollar shot find it in the journal feed wherever you get your podcasts